0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by my upcoming book, The Influencer Economy, how creators thrive and share the work they love. I profile maker, creator, entrepreneurs like Mark Marin, Chris Hartwick, Bill Simmons, the Vlog Brothers, Hannah Hart, and other new media creators. It's a framework for how to launch any business idea in the modern economy. Feel free to hit me up, Ryan, at InfluencerEconomy.com. If you're interested in collaborating around any book events, welcome back to the podcast stories from the Influencer Economy. Veronica Belmont is one of my favorite people on the internet. Veronica's a winner and a leader on the internet because she has an ability for people to respect her for her craft, her expertise, and her opinions. So we talk about how she's cultivated that mindset from not only a young age through now, but a specific incident in her life when she was with her mom driving that I recommend you stick around for because it's super insightful about how experts like her think even at a young age about where they want to go in life. Finally, if you're on iTunes, please hit the subscribe button. would love to get you involved in the long haul and leave a review. It always helps people discover the podcast. Without further ado, Veronica Belmont. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Stories from the Influencer Economy. Here this week with my guest, Veronica Belmont. How you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: Good, good. Coming together after connecting down at South by Southwest.
1: As people do, yeah.
0: As people do. We actually only spoke for maybe 10 minutes. You were eating a pizza. I was walking to another party.
1: As people do.
0: <laughs> sometimes that's all you need down in Austin.
1: Indeed. I definitely needed that pizza at that point.
0: And you guys, you and Tom Merritt, who was a previous guest, y'all were having a meetup down there, and you were taking time out to like grab a slice of, of pizza. But yeah, South by Southwest is great. You honestly you connect with people for a matter of minutes. And sometimes, you know, those minutes actually matter a lot more. But you never would have come across those folks if you didn't go down there.
1: Very true. I know. I've, I've met so many amazing people throughout the years of going. Some I don't even have a a pass anymore. I don't typically get a South by Southwest pass for, inter, pass for interactive or music or anything. I just go and go to meetups like that one and, and meet people on the street and go out to dinner and have drinks, and that's really what I'm there for.
0: Yeah, you can get the content anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. South by Southwest, always a success, and I had Tom on. He was great filmed our interview and he has the studio that looks like it's like a sorcerer's library with like a bookcase in the background and so he, I got uh, a
1: bookcase too.
0: You have a bookcase. I yeah, do. yours is more academic close. looking.
1: It's it's more of the same nerdy stuff that that Tom probably has. You just can't maybe can't see it as well.
0: Tom's got like a dark and dingy basement and yours is more of like a optimistic and happy like P- PhD level reading in there. <laughs>
1: I would beg to, to argue on that point. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff back there. A lot of uh, previous sword and laser picks, uh, books sent to me by authors, uh, some, some stuff on social media. I think there's some stuff in there as well. Uh, and just trinkets and knickknacks from throughout the years.
0: I like the word knickknack, by the way. It's a good one. Where are you from originally? Connecticut. Oh, nice. I went to high school in Connecticut. Did you? Where? In Wallingford, Connecticut.
1: Oh, right on. I'm from West Hartford.
0: Okay. Hartford is great pizza there. Uh, is there? Yeah, there is. <laughs> very good pizza. For folks at home, can you explain what Sword and Laser is? Which is very popular podcast on iTunes and really online, and you and Tom are co-hosts of it.
1: Yeah, we've been doing Sword and Laser uh, since 2007, I believe, or 2008. Uh, And we originally started it because I was leaving CNET, where Tom and I both worked, and we wanted to find a way to keep working together somehow and and do a show about topics that we're both really passionate about. Uh, We already had kind of covered the tech angle, so we decided to go the sci-fi fantasy angle, because that's something else we talked about frequently, uh, both together and on Buzz Out Loud. Uh, I am more of a fantasy fan. He's more of a sci-fi guy. So we decided that we would kind of educate the other person on on the opposite genre. And that's where Sword and Laser came from. And we started as a book club on a social network called Ning, uh, which is no longer... I I don't believe it's actually around anymore. They kind of pivoted and changed what they did. Uh, But it used to be a group... Site, so you could have a, a club about anything, pretty much online, and uh, yeah, we just started up the forum, started talking about books, and then naturally we kind of you know went in the podcast direction because we were both into that and and you know enjoyed doing shows together, and
0: it just made sense. You're old school, like in this world of podcasting.
1: Yeah, we're pretty. I'm I'm pretty OG in terms like of podcasting. You, and for people sure. quit,
0: right? Because 2006 was a really big year for podcasting. And then Twitter at one point was called Odeo, mm-hmm. and they had. I podcasting. actually worked
1: out of the uh, Twitter offices when they were still working on Odeo. I, I rented office space when Twitter was just a just a wee little hatchling in a shell.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Are you in the Hatching Twitter book? as like one of their coworkers? I was
1: interviewed for the book, um, but I wasn't – I don't think any of my – I'm not named in the book. I'm thanked in the book um, because Nick Bilton is a very good friend of mine. Oh, nice. Um, But we did not – yeah. I I actually had signed an NDA at the time, so a lot of what I heard about I I can't really talk about. um, But I more talked about the atmosphere of the space and what it was like being there in the early days. and um, Yeah, so that was pretty interesting having to bring up all those memories because I I didn't – had I known at the time, I would have written more things down but i didn't
0: <laughs> i'm uh, actually i've been emailing with nick about coming on the podcast
1: oh good well yeah you can feel free to to say that i was on the show and had I a will. good time i'm assuming i will have a good time because he uh, lives
0: he, he's down here now in la yeah yeah so then at that point what's cool is that you stuck with the medium how would you characterize yourself you're a journalist or you broadcast or you just yourself
1: I'm definitely not. A, I would not consider myself a journalist. Um, I'm myself on podcasts, uh, if that makes any sense. I, I, you know, just today alone, I'm doing four shows, four different shows, uh, two with Tom Merritt. <laughs> oh, nice. You guys can't <laughs> that get That are not enough. Sword and Laser. You can't yeah, get enough. Yeah, which out. is the weirdest part. Um, yeah, I just became a, a paid contributor to Daily Tech News Show uh, oh, cool. as of today. That's great. Yeah, and I'm also doing guesting on his show, Cord Killers, with him and Brian Brushwood.
0: That's a TV re- recap show?
1: Yeah, they cover pretty much, if you can watch it online, they talk about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I even say on my website, like I have a very hard time explaining what it is I do for a living because I do a lot of very disparate things. Uh, podcasting is probably the the foremost of what I do or, or what I'm known for day to day. But I do stuff for corporate clients. I uh, MC events. I, I do voice acting. I do uh, startup advising. It, it kind of runs the gamut of, of everything in my interest wheelhouse. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to say that because not everyone gets to you know, not only work in something they're passionate in, but work in many things they're passionate in.
0: What's your background? Would you say like, or the back, sorry, the backbone of what you're doing? Is it based on the technology side or is it based on just your general interest in like geek type subject matter?
1: Yeah, I don't really know a good answer to that. Um, I guess it is kind of that, that backbone of being, you know, Interested in technology and geek culture, being able to speak to it, uh, being doing it, uh, having done it for many years. Um, I say well spoken, then I say be doing it, be doing it real yeah. good for many times. Yeah,
0: we like uh, improper English here.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's still kind of early in the day for me. I've only had one cup of coffee, so I'll I'll be better by <laughs> the time TTNs rolls around at one. Um, yeah, so that's, it's, it, we're, tr- we're
0: trying to get you psyched up for your day. Yeah. <laughs> get, get out, you know, cause this isn't a paid gig, right? So when you're on daily tech news, you want to be firing at yeah, all really cylinders.
1: Bring, bring it all out at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a strange road, but I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing.
0: Was there one moment when you realized that you, I'm sure you still feel like you're gaining footing. I mean, I feel like a lot of successful people, they keep going and going. They don't necessarily just say, oh yeah, I made it. And you've hinted at that as well, but yeah,
1: I've never. I, I'm never satisfied. I, I'm always kind of reaching for the next thing. I, I'm, you know, working on many different TV projects right now, and I don't know which of them, if any, will stick. Uh, but that's kind of my latest goal. Um, I, I love doing web TV stuff, but there's something very alluring about the idea of, of doing television as well. Um, and I've done occasional, you know, bits and pieces here and there. But to have my own show is kind of my next next reach.
0: What type of format would it be? Hosting?
1: Seriously, every five show that I'm working on in, in like pre-development right now is completely different. So yeah, I would be hosting um, or producing. And yeah, it's just interesting how all, all the different ideas that have either come to me or that I've put out there and pitched into the world are, are very different, but all, it's still definitely who I am as a presenter and, and very much in my, my interest.
0: I like the term presenter. It's very British.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I sometimes I, TV host sounds weird to me, so I, I don't typically use it. Uh, TV presenter sounds better. I'm not sure why. Maybe so then, because it does sound British. It sounds so
0: <laughs> formal, right? Because everyone over there has been a presenter at one point in their life. Like, you meet some guy who's a tech entrepreneur. Oh, I used to be a presenter on the BBC and.
1: There you go. I just got to move and become a I, – I I've done stuff for BBC America. I've done two shows for them uh, as well as some stuff for BBC Click. Uh, but it's – yeah, actually working for the BBC would be great.
0: So was there a moment you felt like you were at least could breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief? Because I imagine there's some consternation and stress when you're going all in on yourself and these types of projects, especially on the web. Mm-hmm. Because the web was a, an unknown unknown back in 2006 working out of the Twitter office.
1: Yeah, it was tough because I left uh I left CNET then, uh approximately I believe it was two thousand seven. No. Yeah, I think it was two thousand seven actually. I, I uh, explain have my what you did wrong. at CNET. Yeah, I was an I started there as an intern, uh, audio production intern. Uh that kind of flourished into becoming the podcast producer for for most of the company. Uh primarily I was working on Buzz Out Loud, but I was also working on a show called MP3 Insider and Crave, which was a video show as well. Um and then producing for some of the other podcasts that were out there at the time. And then my boss, Mark Larkin gave me an opportunity to write and create video content for CNET TV, which was in the process of relaunching. And I just took the chance and I I wasn't sure if I could do it. I had never done on camera before, Uh, but it was great because I was learning all aspects of it. I was writing my own script. I was presenting it. I was editing it at some points. Um, which was new for me because video editing wasn't something I had actually learned in school. I was in—I went to school for audio production.
0: Where'd you go to school?
1: Emerson in Boston.
0: Uh, Emerson Mafia
1: yeah wait are you emerson mafia
0: no but like la is everyone oh you know
1: meet. that's it's, yeah that's what we call ourselves it's so. from
0: Emmer- it's from the mafia yeah
1: yeah oh that's so funny that people who didn't go to emerson actually know emerson mafia
0: well they just they're everywhere
1: because we say it do we do they say it to you do they say oh i'm emerson mafia
0: you just like well kind of i mean they're just they're there's ubiqui- like a website there's actually ubiquitous like mafia website. and they just act like there's this everyone you meet they're like oh you should meet my friend from emerson or i'm going to an emerson party that's it's, so funny. Uh, I can't Don't remember have how Emerson
1: parties that. in San Francisco. I need to get that started. But I moved out here with five other Emerson alum, um, so I'm, I'm a huge Emerson fan. I was. Uh, they gave me an award a couple of years ago, um, and that was like a highlight of my life. I what was, was it? Excited. Uh, they gave me the Young Alumni Award. Oh, nice. So I went back to Boston, um, and and you know gave a little talk, and uh, they. I just. I'm. I'm yeah you're gonna get me on an Emerson kick now. I should have like the little Emerson banner in the background because I talk about it so much. You need a but...
0: pennant on your wall.
1: There you go. That's the name of that thing.:
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the thing I'm talking about. yeah. I should order one. That would be funny. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a proud Emerson alum at this point. I, well, I always have been. It was the only school I applied to and the only school I wanted to go to.
0: And so then now that you're successful with like all these different projects and shows. At the end of the day, like if you're looking back at your experiences, Mm -hmm. obviously Emerson was a big moment. The CNET internship turned into something big. Was there a moment where you felt a show or a series that you think you you put yourself out there more than others that turned into something that developed a following? Because I feel like you're talking about embracing your personality.
1: Buzz Out Loud really was what kicked everything off for me, I think, because I had never been someone to talk on the other side of the board before I had never turned my own microphone on as it were. Um, so being able to do that and, and realizing that people liked my personality and and were interested in what I had to say, I think was that little kick in the butt that made me think, Oh, I could do this. This is something I can do. You know, it's, it's a very strange memory that I have, but I was in the car with my mom once when I was very young and she, we were kind of talking about like what I wanted to do for a living. I don't think I've ever said this out loud before, so this is pretty funny. I was like, I want to be the expert at something. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I want to be the person they call to talk about a topic on a show. Looking back on that now, it was so weirdly specific that I had that desire to be an expert at something. And, and even to this day, I don't really consider myself an expert at any one thing. I, I am interested in many different things and I can speak to a lot of them, but I'm not like the definitive go-to guy for a thing. Um, but just that that I even considered that a goal of any kind is, is very strange for me and you know, very prescient, I guess. It's, it's, it's strange.
0: I have a section in my book about everyone in modern media is Jay-Z because you do 50 things so you know, he's like a agent, he's a music mogul, mm-hmm. he's married to Bay. Like he's got a lot of different jobs.
1: That's a goal. I gotta be married to Bay.
0: Yeah, you gotta that's you gotta put she, that on she, the
1: bucket list. should be
0: high on the priority list. Yeah. You can <laughs> refocus your energy towards that. But you're you're doing like you know, thirty different jobs for one project at this point. You know, you can't just get away with being you know, producer or host or editor. It's like you have to have a skill set that is cultivated at tons of different skills Mm-hmm. to survive otherwise people will overlook you would you agree with that
1: yeah and also i don't want to get too tied down in one thing because you know i maybe i don't always want to be on camera maybe i don't always want to do podcasts every day maybe i want to go into a different field and and if i at least have the background the basis for a different gig then i feel like i i'm much better set up um I, I always think about, like, you know, what's the next thing going to be? I never really know, but it's good to be prepared in a lot of different areas, I think.
0: How is it being in San Francisco for your work, especially now that you're trying to work in television and a lot of that's not in San Francisco?
1: It's not super easy. I mean, I don't mind traveling, so that's that's okay, but one of the projects would potentially be you know, a weekly thing down in L.A., and so that would be a lot of traveling and a lot of work, but I think it would be worth it. Um, when I was doing Mahala Daily uh, down in L.A., we, we shot occasionally up in San Francisco, but I was down there maybe two weeks out of the month uh, shooting shows, and that definitely took its soul, but I think I'm more mentally prepared for it now. I think I'm in a better place and and, and know what I want to do, so it doesn't seem so... Unusual or difficult. It's just part of my job now.
0: With Mahalo Daily and shows like that, could you sort of explain a bit? So, you have a tech background where you talk about tech culture Mm -hmm. and then you have the sci fi world. Like, can you just explain your multiple uh, facets of your personality and work?
1: (laughs) I think primarily there's three categories it's it's technology, consumer tech. Geek culture, things related to that cultural stuff, and then sci fi fantasy, which kind of falls under the geek culture thing, but is much more it's a it's a different community and it's it's very it's a very close knit, tight knit community.
0: Which, which one's that?
1: The sci fi fantasy community, okay. genre fiction. And that's probably really my my favorite world to talk in and speak to because it's it's something it's been an interest of mine for my entire life. And you know, getting to talk to authors that I'm so that I love. And, and, you know, if an author that I have read for 20 years follows me on Twitter, it's like a big deal for me. So I mm-hmm. still get that, that like fangirl excitement that maybe I don't get as much in tech.
0: What type of books and authors are you talking about?
1: Oh, I don't want to, I don't, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> not,
0: not the, not the people that have followed you that okay. you're getting fired up over. We.
1: Well, if we, I admit them, then that'll be, that'll. if I say, we'll all right, well, okay, it, we'll that's keep, dumb. I'm, I'm being stupid right now. We can now keep them on the
0: DL. You can just okay. name others. Well, like,
1: like Tad Williams, Robin Hobb, George R. R. Martin, you know, Neil Stevenson, William Gibson, uh, Marie Brennan. I mean, there's just so much, she's newer, but there's just so many authors whose books I've, I've, Gail Carriger, that I've, I've totally fallen in love with. And getting to have conversations with them is a big deal for me. And I think that that excitement kind of translates through the microphone and and people get excited about it. And, you know, they're as passionate about it as I am. So it's, it's just a great community.
0: You're like representing people that would love to have that same conversation.
1: Yeah. We're proxies, you know, and I think, I think people like that.
0: So they get, you get there, you vote for everyone. Yeah. I'm casting my ballot. I've actually, I've never heard of half those people you just mentioned. I don't think I'm completely in your demographic.
1: <laughs> that's okay. That's that's allowed. You can listen to the show and learn about them.
0: You sound like you're working on a lot. What's your week like as far as making content and the shows that you're on?
1: Um it changes week to week. If I'm shooting a show, then I'm on location and I'm I'm in that hundred percent. If I'm if I'm not like a week like this, then I, I fill it with all sorts of different stuff. So today I'm doing four different shows, yours included. Um so there's, you know, Prepping for those shows, recording those shows, doing the actual show, uh, finding time to eat and take care of my dog, uh, you know, fitting. What kind of dog fitting. do you have? She's a Goldador. She's okay. a Golden Retriever, Yellow Lab Mix. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a Guide Dogs for the Blind career change dog.
0: Is that a big dog?
1: Um she's 70 pounds. Yeah. She's pretty big. She's yeah, she she can fit in my lap still if she really wants to, but it's not <laughs> not comfortable for anyone.
0: Right for, for, for either of you.
1: Yeah. Um she's great, but yeah, we so got to take care of her. So there's stuff like that or pre-production for, for other projects or writing scripts for other projects or, you know, maintaining and managing social media, um, emails. Of course, there's always a hundred thousand emails I have to get to. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed like bag a, of stuff. you have an
0: assistant or are you all solo?
1: I'm all solo. I've considered it in the past, but I'm, I think I, I'm not very good at delegating. I'm better at just getting it done. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't think I need an assistant at this point. The emails haven't become overwhelming to the point where I need to, you know, relegate them to, to someone else.
0: And then do you have an agent for your TV projects?
1: I do. I've worked with the same agent, uh, since the Mahalo days. So, uh, George has been my agent for, for many, many years. Um, and he's great. So he, he takes a look at all my con. He's a lawyer as well. So he looks at all my contracts, just to make sure I'm not getting screwed over. Um, does all the, the haggling and back and forth. So I don't have to, cause I'm terrible about talking about money. Um, so he's, he's better with that and finding me new projects to work on.
0: Are you handling your podcast stuff separately for the most part?
1: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: Booking it and...
1: Yeah, I do all the all the scheduling and managing for, for Sword and Laser, getting artists on, getting authors on. Uh, that's, yeah, we we still do that. Uh, we would love to have an intern for Sword and Laser, but we've been doing it ourselves for so long. It was a really big deal for me to even hire an editor this year. So I've edited the show for, you know, seven years, and then I just decided I wanted someone else to to sweeten it and make it better and, you know... It was it was hard, and I, I still get a little nitpicky with Jacob, which I feel terrible about. Um, but he he does a great job, and and that's one less thing I have to kind of think about.
0: And can you just give us a sample episode of Sword and Laser? Because the community there is phenomenal. And they- yeah,
1: they're great. So we they they find all. So we intro the show. Um, for a typical episode, there's no interview, uh, but we'll do uh, kick off the show with the What Are We Drinking segment. So we talk about what beverages we're imbibing that evening. Um, and then we go into Quick Burns, which is a rundown of the the hot news items in the genre fiction world. Uh, those are sourced by ourselves and the audience. So we have a thread on the forums where audience members suggest topics to talk about. And so we, we give them a shout out and then talk into that, that topic then um, we do Barrier sort, which is our feedback from the audience. Um, so emails, forum posts that we find interesting. Um,
0: where, where do your on forums Twitter. live? On, on the website? Goodreads. No, Goodreads. Oh, Goodreads. So you use like a book social network to right. cultivate your, your content and community?
1: Yep. And then we do the Book of the Month discussion. So we talk about the latest book club pick, uh, you know, do some fan posts about that as well. So as you, can, as you can just tell from this description, the fans are a hugely important part of Sword and Laser. Um, the, you know, they, they decide what we talk about. They, they are the content of the show. Um, so without them, it would be a, a much different kind of podcast.
0: And Tom was calling them as if he said the Community is like the third host.
1: Oh, totally. Mm-hmm.
0: Like he'll learn stuff from people and people will point out like inaccuracies. And...
1: They're way smarter than us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All and the so, time.
0: And how long have you been doing the show?
1: Uh, since 2000, uh, I think the first episode of the show was 2008, but the book club has been around since 2007.
0: And do you still have a lot of the same original members have you noticed like there's the...
1: Yeah, I think we do. I mean, there's definitely people who... I, I can just start naming names and, and these are people who have been around for as long as I can remember. Um, and you, we, we have in-person book club meetups now too. So the San Francisco chapter gets together every month and, and we go, meet up at Borderlands and then go out to dinner and drinks afterwards. So it's like a real in-person community too.
0: So you're IRL.
1: Yeah, we but are the- totally meet space.
0: That's so important. Because mm-hmm. people don't think you you can't just keep everything online. You have to actually get to know faces.
1: I mean, it's hard because we have you know twenty two thousand members on Goodreads. I, I can't meet all of them. No way. But I can meet the you know the ten people that show up to the San Francisco meetup and get to know them, which is really cool.
0: What's that like when you get to know people and you actually have this like maybe year plus background of interacting?
1: It's totally it feels very natural. I mean, it was the same way with uh, my guild members for World of Warcraft when we meet in person. It's just like, oh, there's Roger. I've known Roger for seven years and now we're meeting in person, and it's totally normal and it's yeah it's it's we're we're more used to it now, I think it's not a weird thing anymore to meet someone that you know online in person
0: and so World of Warcraft for those is a social especially a social network. Would it's you say kind of a
1: big, big interactive social network? It's just yeah. like you
0: hang out with people in this game, and then mm-hmm. when you, so you, when you meet people in real life, you felt like it was just like, oh yeah, I played with you for years now. It's not out of the ordinary, right? The community now is twenty two thousand people on Goodreads.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How does it perform? Is it one of the top podcasts in your category? Right?
1: I think so. I mean, I I don't really know what other what other shows are doing. I know the shows that are about very specific things like. Wars, Gore and Swords covers Game of Thrones. And they get like a 100,000 downloads yeah. per episode because they only are on air when the season is on and they're very specific. They talk about it per episode. So that's a different kind of show. We're more general interest, more well rounded. Um, and we're long, we're kind of a long show. We're like 40 minutes. So we do well, and we're definitely a known entity in the space. We have PR people reaching out to us. We, we can snag the the top authors in in the category. Um, so I'm very confident in that. And it it may not be the biggest show out there in the world, but it's, it's, it's a good size for us. And it makes it so we can have kind of one-on-one interactions with the fans and get to know them and not feel like a totally you know, massive entity that can't keep up with everyone.
0: And do you use, uh, like sites like Patreon to fund it or do you have advertisements?
1: We're, we're Patreon funded now. We used to be advertised backed. Um, but we, we weren't really making any money. We weren't making enough to make the show sustainable. So we switched over to Patreon after Tom had such great success with it. And, you know, now the show pays for itself, which is, which is great.
0: Yeah. That's cool. We actually, we talk about like authors when we, Tom and I spoke on a panel in LA, you know, a few months ago and one of the other panelists gave Tom a sci-fi book that he wrote.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: It was like, Hey, read this book, you know, feel free to talk about it on the show, but
1: but we don't do book reviews because we just don't have time. We only have time to, to read the book club books and I'm in two book clubs actually. Um, so book club shows. So I have to just read those books and if i have time for anything else it's going to be something that i want to read
0: what's the other book club show
1: vaginal fantasy
0: oh that's right yeah what is that
1: it's a um it's also a genre fiction show primarily uh, but it also dives into romance so we read sci-fi fantasy that also is romance or paranormal romance or regency romance or you know anything that's not your typical like harlequin romance book
0: and who do you host that with
1: Uh, felicia day bonnie burton and kyla caseby
0: and is that another show where you're doing... Because Felicia, I think, lives down here. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah, do that's more, all
1: Google Hangouts.
0: A lot of Google Hangouts? Yeah. And is that also Patreon-backed?
1: No, we don't take any funding for that show.
0: And where'd the name come from?
1: Um, it's supposed to be like a genre name. So instead of just regular fantasy or high fantasy or dark fantasy, it's vaginal fantasy.
0: Do you get like people that tune in, they're like, oh, this wasn't what I was expecting?
1: Every single episode we have yeah. to explain what the show is. <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you do that in the intro? You're like, look, just so you know. Felicia is, does, yeah. This is what we do and this is what we're not. hmm Like I could see some like teenage boys and like, oh yeah, this is, sounds awesome. And then they get in and they're like, wait a second. I don't want to yeah. read a book. Totally. And so it's like love stories in the sci-fi genre.
1: hmm
0: Is that a weekly show? A monthly. A monthly. So it's you're 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 Jay Z, essentially, except for that Beyonce card. What um?
1: Yeah, we 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 have yet to determine if we will find have the Beyonce card. It's on
0: the bucket list.
1: Yeah, it's on the bucket list.
0: Do you? So do you? I mean, what's your your day is like blending together? You have mornings, noons, nights, like weekends. I mean. How There's never s-
1: any rhyme and reason to it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just what happens that day happens that day. I don't have a set schedule at all. I don't really have weekends. They're just other days, except my husband's around more. So that's pretty much it.
0: And he is he a very obviously he understands what you're doing and
1: oh, yeah. is yeah, supportive. Just, so
0: mm-hmm. it's not like he married you thinking, oh wow, you're gonna have a nine to five job. Nope. Yeah. He knew so, what
1: he was getting into for sure.
0: So then if if someone is listening to this and they like your shows. Like what, I I hate the advice question, but what's the reason I'm asking it is because you, you started off when the world was so different and now it's a lot more competitive and a lot more people have access and can create content on their own. Mm -hmm. Like how, how is it different now than when you started? And like, how does that play into like when you, people ask you for advice?
1: I think people just get what podcasting is more now and, and get that it can be something that anyone can do. You don't really have to have a lot of special skills to do this. You just have to have the drive and the desire to to do it and to make it a regular thing and to put the work into it. Um, so I think that's kind of where we're at with podcasting right now. I always say, if, if you want to do a podcast, just start doing a podcast. The barrier to entry is extremely low. Like literally any old schmo can start a show. It's not that hard. <laughs> Uh, we don't have superpowers. We're just people who like to talk about stuff. And there's a lot of people out there like that.
0: And you don't have to be extraordinary. You can just be ordinary dude or gal and start your show.
1: Yeah. As long as you enjoy doing it and that's apparent and you're willing to put the time and effort into it to keep it regular, that's really all there is to it.
0: And so when people think about your success, it's not like you just are some overnight, you know, dream. Like you've put this, you know, years in the making.
1: Well, I had the I had the benefit of of starting at a well-known company and having that support system in place. So I think, you know, if, if there were anything, it was it was being at CNET and really having that be my first job and and being able to reach a large audience off the bat. I mean, I, I can't deny that that had a a fact that that was a factor in this whole thing. Um and being on Twitter very early and, and really working hard in the social media space throughout the years has, has helped a lot too. But there's YouTubers who start new all the time, who build ginormous audiences in a couple of years and way beyond what I do in terms of reach. And because they found something they love talking about and they, they are fun and good on camera. And, you know, it's, it's, it's totally democratized at this point.
0: And what about the, being able to collaborate with people like Tom and Felicia
1: yeah, we're a huge support system for each other as well. I mean, we all do each other's shows. We're, you know, able to, to support each other and, and promote each other and, you know, be there as a, as a system in place for, for building audiences and, and helping each other out. So it's, it's very valuable as well.
0: That's cool. The Sword and Laser of the Vaginal Fantasy Community. How would you describe the people that live in these worlds that you're a part of?
1: They are as passionate, if not more passionate, about these worlds than we are, and maybe they just don 't have time to do a show, or maybe they just don 't have the desire to to speak into the mic or to make a video on YouTube. but they are the heart and soul of what we do as podcasters. Without the audience, we'd just be talking into a void, and we could do that, and i 'm sure some people do, and, and they 're fine with it but it's the audience interaction that, that drives us and that feeds us and sustains us throughout the years. And they make it literally possible by supporting us financially and emotionally. And uh, it, it, would not be, it wouldn't be any fun without them. And they're, they're definitely why we do this.
0: And do you think they see you as a, as a friend more than anything else, than, rather than some aspirational host that they look up to is in Revere? Or is it more like a connection, like a buddy
1: I hope so. We got a really nice email to Sword and Laser recently uh, uh, from a woman who had moved and hadn't made a lot of friends in in the new town that she was living in. And she said it was just nice to be able to turn on Sword and Laser and feel like she had some sense of of comfort or community in this new strange place. And she's like, you know, I was listening to you guys talking and just felt really good. It felt like I had friends there that I could just kind of relax with for a little while and not feel so stressed out and, and... and weird by being in a new place. And and that made me feel really good. It made me feel good that we could be comforting to someone and, and make them feel like they had a home, even if that home is virtual and we're just voices in her earbuds and not, not sitting with her at the cafe. Um, but it's, it's enough and, and, and it feels good to have that community and, and be part of that community.
0: It must be, be Tom's uh, melodic voice.
1: The soothing dulcet ta- sounds of of Tom Merritt. He's yes. got that
0: Southern drawl <laughs> from his time in Texas. He does. Um, Cool. Well, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That was Veronica Belmont. So happy she came on the show. Make sure you check her out at her Dear Veronica show on gizmodo.com. Also, more info about her at veronicabelmont.com, and you can follow her on Twitter at Veronica. Love what she's doing. One of my favorite people, as I mentioned in the intro, doing stuff on the internet. Please go to InfluencerEconomy.com if you want to check out more of my work. This is episode 80, so happy that you're here along for the ride. It means a lot to me that you listen to the show. If you do like it, feel free to subscribe to the email newsletter at InfluencerEconomy.com. And send me a note if you want to collaborate about any book events coming up this spring. So excited to have the book finally done and working on getting the Amazon pre-sale page up at the moment, so... Could not be more thrilled to share this with the world. And finally, if you're on iTunes, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. I would be indentured to you if you could leave a review and subscribe. It really helps with people finding the podcast anew. I have Jay Samet coming up, author of Disrupt You. Uh, Hank Green of the Vlogbrothers, who's featured in the book, he's a future guest. Posted Derek Sivers last week. If you didn't listen to that one, it's been downloaded. Uh, a lot and people seem to be really receiving it well and that's about it. all i got on my end uh influencer economy.com would love to hear what you think about these episodes without further ado heading to duke zebert's for some chicken in the pot uh-huh.